Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Quit Your Day Job. I am Alicia Fernandez-Miranda. Am I wearing sweatpants while I record this? You will never know. This podcast is all about dream jobs, the ones you wished you had when you were a kid and the ones you pin up on your vision board. I decided to chase after my dream jobs in 2020 by taking unpaid internships at four of them. I quit my job as CEO of a philanthropy consulting business to try my hand working on Broadway, in fitness, as an art dealer, and at a hotel. And then I wrote a book about my experience, which will be out in 2023. I am psyched to share my story with you, but in the meantime, I'm bringing you a few others, real people who work really cool jobs. So before you quit your day job to go be a painter or an actress or a life coach, listen in and see what it's really like behind the scenes. Okay, hello everybody, and welcome to Quit Your Day Job. I'm going to apologize in advance for my voice because I was at a friend's 40th all weekend and singing along to a lot of 70s disco songs, so that's why I may sound a bit less, uh, well, a bit more throaty than usual, let's say, but don't let it dampen your excitement for the guest we have today because I could not be more excited to introduce you to Bianca Horn. Bianca Horn was born in Port-au-Prince, Haiti, and she relocated with her family as a child to Miami, Florida. My hometown. Her love for storytelling and performing culminated into a professional career as an artist and arts advocate. Her most recent credits include the off-Broadway productions of Assassins at Classic Stage Company and The Play That Goes Wrong. So I met Bianca while I was shadowing the rehearsals of Assassins in New York uh, two years ago this month. We were there, and anybody paying attention to your timing will note that this is March, so that was March 2020. And my job was to like make encouraging faces at everybody and fill up the water jug and basically just have the time of my life away from my husband and children sitting in a rehearsal for a show. But watching Bianca become Emma Goldman and all of the other roles that she played, belt an incredibly high note, master a complicated dance step, and do it all with a smile on her face. And at the time, I think, in between like training for a marathon maybe. So that was also going on. It was such a joy. So I'm so, so excited that she is here to tell us about her job and her life. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. (laughs) I was just telling Bianca before that I have been listening to the soundtrack all day. I had a flight home today and it's just, it's one of those things where I just close my eyes and it takes me right back to the rehearsal room and to those memories to hear you guys sing. So I'm going to not be so gushy and effusive, I promise, this whole time, <laughs> but I had to get it over with in the first instance. So Bianca, on the show, before we kind of jump into the questions, I like to start with just a few speedy questions just to loosen you up a little bit. So uh, five quick questions, answer whatever comes to your mind first. You ready? Ready. All ready. Right. Here we go. So one, uh, an easy one. What was your very first role? Oh, I hope it was an easy one. (laughs) Oh, very first role. (laughs) Oh. 
I don't know, shepherd number three at my church. (laughs) (laughs) Probably something like that, like angel number four during a Christmas program. (laughs) Did you perform when you were little? Yeah, like middle school and high school. So I started doing theater because English is my second language. I'm Haitian, sapase, if there are any Haitians listening to this podcast. And my sister, funny enough, she was like, let's put her in oratory competitions because I think that's the best way for her to learn English. And so we got me signed up and I was like, oh, I love storytelling. And that became like a, let's put her in middle school theater. Oh, my God. So yeah, I've been kind of doing this since middle school. Fantastic. And people are still yeah. saying that shepherd number three was memorable. <laughs> I'm a good shepherd number three. You can make a career out of being chorus girl number three, okay? <laughs> I love it. Okay, number two, your dream role. So any part, any gender, who would you play? Ooh. Oh, man, I said these were easy, but... It's a shame you can't see Bianca's face. These are hard questions. (laughs) They're hard questions. My dream role. Well, I'll share mine while you're thinking. Not like I've thought of it. Judas and Jesus Christ Superstar. That would be like. Yes. That's a dream. Yep. I've kind of cheated a little bit because I covered this role. Suge Avery in The Color Purple Mm. is a dream role. It is. Oh, the character is just so full. Seeing Heather Headley play it, I was like, yeah, that's what I want to be every day of the week, eight shows a week. Theater, Lynn Nottage wrote a marvelous play, Intimate Apparel. Mm-hmm. I can't think of the name of, I think her name is Esther. It's the the lead actress in that show, the lead character. She's just so full of color. I mean, anything that Lynn Nottage writes is pretty amazing. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> But um, Intimate Apparel, uh, the the leading woman in that show, um, I remember doing it in college and falling in love with the, the script. That would be a dream role to do professionally. Oh, phenomenal. All right. So you were running, you were training for a marathon when I saw you. I, I, want, I want to know what's on your running playlist or who's on your running playlist. Funny enough, I run with no sound. <gasps> really? I think runners go through, yeah, I think runners go through different phases depending on what where you are in the journey right now I'm in a no music I just kind of like want to hear the city I want to hear my body so yeah the city I guess the city's in my playlist I just want to hear the cars and the conversations and um the streets are buzzing with people god that's amazing I well I'm not really a runner but I definitely (laughs) think it's only music spurring me on but that's kind of amazing do you think about stuff or do you like zone out completely Zone out. I feel like I'm the kind of person, I have like 10,000 things to do, all the to-do lists. And like when I'm running, it's totally in my body, out of my head, just pavement. It's amazing. Yeah. Wow. I I, completely am. I hope I get there one day. I don't think I ever (laughs) will. I mean, I hope I get back. We ran the marathon and my husband and I are like, yeah, do we need to work out? Does that mean we're fit forever now? (laughs) I feel like the answer is yes. Um, we actually just submitted for the lottery for the 2022. So fingers crossed. We're oh crazy gosh. enough to maybe we'll do it again. We'll see. That's incredible. Oh my gosh. All right. Question number four. Who's the best assassin of all the assassins? Oh, Booth. 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 Booth is the best assassin. <laughs> Unapologetic. <laughs> 
I love it. Never sorry. I that was uh, oh. one song that I got to watch rehearsed a lot, actually. Yeah, and it's like still kind of terrifying and amazing every time. I think that's why he's the best one. I feel like in the other ones, you kind of. I mean, I Cholgoff was like my second one because I'm in love with Brandon and <laughs> all things he does. Who isn't correct? But I mean, it, they all are a bit conflicted about what they're doing. Booth is unapologetic about his agenda. And I think that's, yeah. So you got to say something for it. That's, it's something. Exactly. Definitely something. (laughs) All right. Final speed round question. Uh, When you were a kid, besides playing Shepard number three, what did you think you wanted to be when you grew up? A lawyer. Really? Yeah, but I don't think that's strange. I feel like I know a lot of actors that like have a BFA in acting and then got a law degree somewhere. I think I know a lot of lawyers that want to be actors. (laughs) So, yeah, I wanted to be a lawyer when I was a kid. Wow. And your life took a different path. And that's what we're here to learn about today. (laughs) Maybe I'll do like an episode of Law and Order and all of it will. will It will come together seamlessly. You could definitely (laughs) do that. All right. Well, you survived. You survived the speed run. So congratulations on that. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, I think a lot of people myself included, dream of being on stage, although some of us don't have the talent necessarily to back it up. But talk us through your journey from uh, learning English, middle school theater, to actually becoming a professional actress. Sure. So yeah, you got the beginning part. So I just fell in love with storytelling. And I remember you had to write your own speeches. So not only did you learn the English language, but like you had to like learn how to give it meaning and, and capture your audience. And so I, I used to do AXO competitions, which are a performing um, competition for the NAACP. I did that in high school. And a lot of it was like either singing or poetry or oratory writing. I was in a musical theater program in middle school at Norlin yeah. Middle School. We used yep. to we used to swim against you guys. Oh yeah, you're from you know Miami. I yes, do, yes. So. I do know Miami. <laughs> <laughs> so Norlin had a great program, great teachers. That was that was a blast. And then I went to Miami Northwestern Senior High School and I was in their um, theater program. And I think that's when I really fell in love with theater. We had a teacher there. She ran the program. Um, Her name was Miss Stewart. And she did a great job at not only teaching us musical theater, but also teaching us musical theater that highlighted Black stories, which is something I had never known until I was in that school. She was a Black actress. She had covered a few shows on Broadway and decided to transition her life back to Florida and lead this program. And um, it's where I learned about the life. It's where (laughs) I learned about musicals like Ragtime. And just she was just so great about teaching us about all all of musical theater. Right. And it just made me fall in love with it more and more because I I remember listening to Ragtime and I was like, oh, Audra, I can be her. Like, I can do that. And then uh, we had a, a vocal vocal and diction coach that was, um, I don't know if recruiter is the right name, but she uh, was connected to Southern Methodist University somehow. Right. And she would encourage students that she think would be good for the program. And so, like, I got coaching on some Shakespearean monologues. I auditioned for the school and I got in. And so then I went to earn a BFA in acting at Southern Methodist University in Dallas, Texas. And it 
it was a great program. I remember I thought, I, I can't believe I'm not going to do musical theater, but it just felt like I really wanted to have my teeth sink into the, you know, the methods and, and, and theories behind it and the practices. And just coming from a musical theater background and having voice lessons and dance lessons, I thought it was a great way to kind of live in both worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, and I graduated, we won't say what year, because we're forever young. Indeed. <laughs> and I went to New York just to visit, and there were hairspray auditions happening for the last leg of the non-union tour. And I remember I was like, I should audition for this. And I did. And my best friend who had been in, uh, my best friend, Walter, he had been in for this audition, this company, tons of times. And he was like, oh, I'm going to teach you the whole combination. So (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what Ripley, I don't know what studio we're in, but he's literally like showing me everything before I even get into the room. And I don't know how it happened. On a wing and a prayer, I get a call a few weeks later saying, hey, we want to cast you as Cindy Watkins on the tour of Hairspray. And I remember I didn't have an agent. Wow. (laughs) I graduated like, so I remember whoever called, I was like, can I call you back? I'm really excited and I can't process. (laughs) So (laughs) the answer is yes, but let me call you back. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. It was a dream. It really was. It was, especially after like, I mean, even while I was in a straight acting program, I would like participate in choral work. I still took voice lessons. So like, I always knew I wanted to still do musical theater. I didn't want to be one of those actors that um, was pigeonholed as, so you can only do one thing or the other. It's very hard in this industry to like be able to thrive in in, in both realms. And so being able to be cast in a musical after getting out of straight acting (laughs) program, I was like, yes! And that was my first tour. And it was wonderful. I met so many life friends there, traveled for the first time to so many cities. After that, I mean, I think I have the same actor story, did a slew of, you know, regional theater work. I, we all had, you all have your day jobs, your, your side gigs, right? Hustling and auditioning and when you're non-union, waking up early to sign your name up on those lists, hoping and praying you'll get in. And Things kept moving along. You know, each credit helps the next credit. The Color Purple was the next probably bigger project that I did after that um, with John and... John Doyle, who directed Assassins. So what yes, he could love- he could be known by just one name like Madonna or Cher. I mean, everyone should know who... I, you should know him by one name. Um, he is the most thoughtful and loving and wonderful human being and director. So... Color Purple happened. And again, you know, I get the call, at least thank God, this time for my agent so I can process. Because <laughs> someone else. <laughs> I could freak out with her. <laughs> and that, it was funny because I had decided the year I got Color Purple, I had decided to not do regional theater for a year. I was like, I'm going to stay here in the city. I'm going to take classes. I'm going to I just want to be here because it felt like every time I was here, I would get an audition I couldn't fly back for. I mean, I went into Beautiful like 10 times. Final, final, final. Like it always felt like something was always blocking me because I was always out of the city. And so for a year, I told my husband, I was like, I'm just going to stay here. For a year, I book nothing. (laughs) Of course, of course. (laughs) For a year, nothing happened. And at the very tail end of that year, Color Purple happened. I turned 30. It was wonderful. It's actually one of my favorite stories. My sister and I, when we came from Haiti, it's not a kid's book, but we fell in love with the story right. and the movie. 
<laughs> Again, like the life. I don't know why we like such adult content, but it's a powerful. <laughs> it's a powerful story, though. Powerful story. And we just, I think because we're two sisters, we just gravitated towards it. And I remember for like probably the first two months of performing, I cried every night at our closing. Oh I I mean, the company was amazing, but it felt like a gift to tell the story. Because wow. um, I'm I just love it so much. So that that was wonderful. And then soon after, I Maddie DeCarlo was our associate for that production of Color Purple. And I went into audition. The Play That Goes Wrong, which he was now directing here in New York City. He was a part of the transitioning of mm-hmm. the, from the Broadway company to the off-Broadway company. And I auditioned and I was actually supposed to leave the week of the final callbacks. I was supposed to go leave that day to start a production at Alabama Shakes. Wow. And yeah, and I was told we can't say you'll have the role, but like you, if you're not here, we can't cast you. So I had to turn down that production. Wow. I was going to do Simone at Alabama Shakes. <gasps> I'm sorry, Alabama Shakes. I really <laughs> wanted to do that production. <laughs> but I, you know, I remember praying and freaking out about it, but I was like, no, it just feels like the show is right. This cast is right. Let's see what happens. And I, I got it. And that was another career highlight um, is probably one of the best companies I've ever worked with. Wow. Um, that show is all about trusting your fellow actors on stage and it is comedy in its truest form. And we had a blast for over a year just doing that show. And when I met you, I was transitioning from the off-Broadway company of that into Assassins. That's right. And you were still doing, you were doing rehearsals and you were in the show in the evening, which was something that really stuck with me, actually, that it just felt like there was almost no time off. And I think I remember you had said on a two-show day, they gave you the matinee off so you could, you know, I don't know, breathe or like (laughs) go have a meal or something, because this kind of blew my mind. I mean, it's a really intense schedule. And so tell us a little bit about uh, an average show day. So if you are in a show, tell us how how your day goes. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to Bluehost.com Wondersuite. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. So, I mean, I can give you an example from the fall when we were doing Assassins. Because I'm in grad school, it's a little different. But, you know, depending on the day, working out is very important to me. It just naturally warms up my body, my voice. And so, you know, I would wake up, run a few miles with my dog or... (laughs) By myself, maybe I'll have a 
course or two that I would have to go to in person on campus. On any given day, actors are still auditioning. Even if you're in a production, you're auditioning for the next gig because everything has a closing day. Right. So or more often than not, you know, in between, you're like rehearsing a song that you're going to film on tape that night, or you're actually like meeting in a studio with a friend trying to film something, filming some self-tape. Um, and then you grab food to eat at some point or pack <laughs> pack a lunch or a dinner and you head to the theater for another three hours. And then the auditioning process seems to me terrifying. I suppose you get used to it and constantly putting yourself out there. What What is it? What is it like? You know, I didn't, I wasn't there. Uh, I didn't get to observe the casting process for assassins. So what, what is it like for like a total outsider when you're going to audition for a show, you hear about it through your agent usually, and then kind of, how does it go? Yeah. So if you have an agent, they usually just email you, letting you know that appointment is being offered to you for a production. And then it's on you to confirm whether or not it works with your schedule. And the audition usually has a breakdown of what it is you need to prepare. So you need to prepare either something from your repertoire. So your book, a song that you sing, a monologue that you have, or they'll actually give you scenes that you need to prepare, or they'll give you songs that you, they want you to prepare. And that's what it was for this one. Uh, the appointment came and um, there was the Emma Goldman sides for mm-hmm. the show. And I remember like Emma Goldman, John, we're progressive. <laughs> <laughs> and the song Something Just Broke was what we would have to learn. So, yeah, so you basically um, and these auditions like come in on Monday, you go on Friday. Like, I mean, it, it's literally usually you don't get a like lot a of time to prepare. You get a lot of time to figure things out. So people, I mean, actors, you have to be really speedy <laughs> with how you process new material. But I remember going into the room and seeing John's face and our musical director was there as well. And I thought I had the worst audition of my life. Always think they have the worst <laughs> of their lives. I was just, I mean, they weren't calling it COVID, but like two days later, I was out of my show for over a week because I had wow. a viral that had all the COVID symptoms and I couldn't function. I had no voice, like literally, like, oh my God, after that audition. And so, like, I truly believe, like, I probably thought I was horrible because I didn't feel great. But I left that audition thinking, man, John's not going to remember why he cast me in color purple. <laughs> After seeing what I did in that room. But, you know, you walk in, they ask you for the material you prepare. Usually if they want to give you give you a note on a scene, they ask you to do it again with those notes in mind, just to kind of see what changes you can make with the character they are trying to build and have in mind. But that's usually the audition process. And right. if you get it, your agent lets you know. If you don't get it, no one ever speaks of it again. So you just got to get over yeah. it. Kinda. I mean, I have to say, um, actors are resilient in the sense. Every time I get an audition, even this week, I think I got <laughs> two auditions that I was like, "This is the moment, my career. Like, this is the moment that, honey, honey, <laughs> we could live on the Upper West Side if I book this movie." <laughs> and of course, you know, crickets. Nothing has happened. But I think that that's the fun part about being an artist. You're kind of resilient. Every audition you get, you're like, "This is the one." I mean, you you do, though, have to have a lot of hope and you you do have to be strong and you have to be, I guess, passionate about and committed to what you're doing because 
you know, I, I know a lot of people who I graduated college with, let's say, that started acting. And then little by little, they just felt like, you know, it wasn't for them. They couldn't handle the rejection. It wasn't going where they wanted to go. I mean, do you wake up every day and you just think, I know this is the place I need to be? Or do you have those moments where you're like, what am I doing with my life? No, I definitely, I think of that scene in Sister Act, Sister Act 2, when the mother's like, you know, girl, if you wake up every day and you think about singing, you're supposed to be a singer. (laughs) And I think, (laughs) I mean, it's such a simple scene, but it's so true. And at this point in my career, I mean, I know this is where I want to be. And I don't have those conversations with myself. I think the conversations I'm having now is how do I have a full life with what I'm most passionate about? Like, how does it look? Is it only on stage? Is it producing? Is it helping on the administrative side as well? Mm. Like, how can I fully flesh out this passion of mine so it's not solely targeted in one area of it, but that I can actually enjoy all of it, all that it has to offer me? I mean... I'm very lucky to be at this place. You know, there are many a times when you're in your early 20s, you're like, <laughs> Lord, take this passion away. No one wants to catch me. <laughs> but we're past, we're past those dark nights. <laughs> good, good, as you should be. And uh, fun fact, my husband, who's in the other room, knows all of the words to Sister Act 2, the whole movie. He could recite it for you from start. I want to meet him. It's, and ha- it's how I knew he was the right person for me to <laughs> Because he was able to quote from that movie. Uh, I mean, the movie is solid gold. Like I've played um, Dolores in Sister Act. And like every time um, the cast and I would talk, we're like, when are they making Sister Act 2? Like, oh. they make Sister Act 2. Oh my God, that would be so great. I would be first in line for that. It would be. You and I both. Oh, well, it's... I think I'd audition for it first. Yes, I'd be on the other side. If or <laughs> desperately trying to get into rehearsals by offering my very unskilled <laughs> services to come and watch it. <laughs> That's probably what would happen. What do you think is the biggest misconception about your job that people outside of theater think about what it is that you do? I think that um, people think it's all glorious. Um, you know, you see actors and you think opening night. Um, you don't see the years of training. You don't see, you know, for every job interview, normal people normal people, (laughs) traditional people, everyone's normal. You know, for every job interview, traditional people go through, you know, actors get rejected 10 times more. Mm. And so as wonderful as the work that we do is, it's not all glorious and it can be an emotional journey and struggle if we don't have um, the support team to encourage us, to remind us of who we are and what we're capable of. Because those rejections can can become a lot. Yeah. I mean, since I started writing, I've definitely developed a much thicker skin. And I think it's only a fraction of the number of rejections you see when you are auditioning all the time. But it feels like you have to you have to put a piece of yourself out there, which is why it hurts every time. But also you then just have to move on because there's no other option. Exactly. And every time it does pay out, you remember, you're like, ah, this is the reward. My husband, he's so funny. I recently booked an episode on a TV show and I was like, honey, are you proud? He's like, I am proud every time you just audition again. He's like, I would quit. I don't understand. (laughs) Oh, he's like, actually just, he's like, I'm proud, but I'm really confused. (laughs) He's like, I'm just proud that you, you're not quitting because like the amount of rejection actors get, you film 30 audition tapes, maybe you get one. Like that's, the, you know, but it's a journey. Yeah. 
Now, before we started recording, you were telling me a little bit about your side hustle that you worked on over COVID. I know most actors have a side hustle. So tell us a little bit about yours. Yeah. um, You know, depending on what season you are, it's different. But for me, in the past, I've always worked as a manager, like a part-time manager at a restaurant in um, Harlem. And during the pandemic, I remember looking at my husband and he was looking at me and I was like, honey, I'm bored. So (laughs) I love you, but I got to do something. I need to see another (laughs) face that's not yours. Correct. (laughs) Even if it's just their eyes with the mask, I need to see something. And so I called the owner and I was like, hey, you want help? And so I went over there and started helping as a part-time manager and she had the need for a general manager. And so she was like, well, if, as long as you have the time and capacity, let's do it. And so I've been her GM since last year, like May of 2021. Mm -hmm. And while I was doing assassins, she let me do it in a part-time capacity so that I can really be there for the show. And as soon as we closed, I think a week later, I was back at the restaurant. Again, it's it's really, I mean, I, I adore her. Um, I think she's a smart and savvy businesswoman, but I also love managing and being in Harlem and all the work that we do in the community. So it's it's yeah. been great. And I guess it you really have to have something flexible, right? Because you might get called for an audition, you might get a show, and you need somebody that's going to be open to that and know that that's where your heart lies when it's not at the restaurant, right? I mean, we always have these conversations. Uh, her husband is like, let her dream. Let her dream stay alive. <laughs> and she's like, I just want you to be here with me at the restaurant. I was like, I know. I want to be here, too. I do. But we never know what the, where this career path leads. But yeah. she's been, that's why I love her so much. She's she's seen every show I've done in like the last four years. Aww. Her and her husband are so supportive. They're so thoughtful. Yeah. They're like family. Oh, I love that. <laughs> So in the time that we had the pandemic, we had George Floyd and Black Lives Matter, a lot has changed in theater in the past two years since we were in that rehearsal room. Tell me a little bit about what things are like now, sort of getting back into it. You ran with Assassins in the fall, shows are back up and running, new variants notwithstanding. Do you feel that things are different in good ways, bad ways now? Or is it, do you feel like things just kind of picked up where they left off? I feel like things are different in the sense that there is an awareness that things cannot go back to what they were before. Mm -hmm. I do feel that. I feel like there is an extra thoughtfulness and kindness with how we are approaching others, whether it's race or gender. Um, I do notice that. And I'm happy about that change. I don't know if I, I think fundamental change is slow. Mm. Um, and I think it take it's going to take more than a year. It's going to take more than George Floyd, one movement, to really change the fundamental things that challenge our industry, our society. Yeah. And so I am grateful for the awareness. I'm grateful for the efforts and the committees that have been put together to really evaluate what are our practices, what are we doing, what can be changed. And so I am trying to assist in that. I'm trying to encourage patience because if we want fundamental change, I think that's what it's going to take. Yeah. We don't want like a lipstick on a pig kind of a solution that, you know, we're going to say some rhetoric, we're going to put up a photo and, and that's change. Mm. Um, but I think what we're talking about takes time. And it's nice to see so many people like standing together saying, yeah, we don't want to stand for this anymore. We need to do better as a community, as an industry. And we might not know how, but 
we know we want to. Exactly. Yeah. Bianca, this has been so amazing. I could talk to you all day. I just, (laughs) and you, you're just, you know, you have such a, just such a positive outlook, such an amazing vibe. And it translates when you're on stage or at least in the rehearsal room. So I hope I get to see you on actual stage at some point very soon. Before we wrap up, I always like to ask what advice you would have for anybody that's listening to this and maybe they're 20, maybe they're 70 and they've always dreamed about being in the theater and now they really feel like it's their moment. Uh, What advice do you have for someone that wants to do what you do? If you love it, if you feel like you can't live without it, it suffocates you to not do it. Just go for it. It's going to be hard. It's going to be messy. It's not going to be perfect. But when you live out your passion, when you live out your purpose, it's worth the sacrifice. That's beautiful. So I guess I will go audition for that local <laughs> community protection. Actually, my kid's school is putting and on Guys and Dolls. My kid's school is putting on Guys and Dolls this week. And of course I was like, can I come and see it? They were like, no, you can't because of COVID. I was like, but can't, can I? It's one of my favorite shows. And uh, I thought, I thought I should just volunteer my parent services to, well, I could, in, I could intern for them just like I did for you guys. <laughs> maybe, maybe they'll say yes. Oh, Bianca, this has been amazing. Where can people find out more about your work and what you're up to online? Yeah, I have a website called BiancaHorn.com. Um, I post regularly on there when things are happening. I'm also on Instagram, BiancaHorn14. And I post about things that are actually happening, you know, during the week, during the day. So you can certainly check that out. Follow me. Follow her, <laughs> follow her. Well, we will link to all this. Bianca, thank you so much. Have a great rest of your evening. You too. Thanks for having me. So nice to talk to you and seeing your beautiful face. Thank you so much for listening to Quit Your Day Job. We are a Zcast production and want to send huge thanks to the whole Zibby Books team for their support. Find me on Instagram at Alicia F. Miranda. I would love to hear what you thought about the episode, future jobs you want me to profile, or the burning questions you think I should ask my upcoming guests. And if you decide to quit your day job, let me know.